Y'all let's sing it again. Come on, let's magnify the Lord together. How many of you feel the presence of the Holy Ghost in this place? I know it sounds so simple, but I said all the time that if we will fill the house with praise, how many of you know God will fill it with his presence every time? And that's what Psalms 22 said, that God inhabits the praises. In other words, he wants to come down and sit with us in all of his waitingness that we may sit with him in heavenly places. Some of you believe God has moved us to another dimension. As Pastor said last night, I love that. Come on, just wave your Let's sing it one more time, y'all. Come on, just wave your hands and lift your voice and thank him that he is here. Why don't you put one hand in the hand, put one hand on your heart and sing, he is here. Come on, he is here. Come on, tell him. He is here. Go ahead, y'all. Hallelujah. Come on, bless him one more time. Come on, lift your voice and sing it with them. Come on. I'm going to be glad he is here. Come on, somebody give God a shot of praise tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to be glad we don't have to summon him. He is here. You ask and he is here. Hallelujah. How many of you feel him in this place tonight? My God. Hallelujah. I heard someone say that I don't know why in the world you have to worship God so much. And I told them, I said, I don't know if you're going to like heaven or not. Because <laughs> some of you know every hallelujah that comes out of our mouth, every worship we give is a heaven warm up. Somebody say amen. <laughs> so I don't know about you. I'm practicing down here. Look at your neighbor. Tell them my praise ain't about you anyway. Come on, tell them. But I give praise to God. There's one captive audience and his name is the Lord of hosts. I'm going to be glad we have the freedom to bless the Lord tonight. He is here. Come on. How many of you know he is here? Come on. Somebody give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Have you enjoyed the praise and the worship here tonight? Thank y'all. Wow. 
Wow, come on, y'all. Let's honor the Lord for them and with them. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you'll play out, brother. <laughs> and men, thank you, God, so much. I'm so thankful for the way they have poured into us. As you're going back to your pews, turn about two or three people and tell them, man, I love worshiping next to you. Come on, tell them now. Come on, tell them I love worshiping next to you. Hallelujah. Bless the name of our God. Hallelujah. Ooh, I feel the Lord. I don't know about y'all. I could go home right now and have been in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Did y'all hear me? How many of you know we can say we can leave here now? say we've been in the presence of the Lord, right? Uh, But I believe the best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord. I feel the Lord in this place. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Will you one more time, will you lift your hands before God? Let's just give him some worship. I'm not trying to keep on with you. Come on, you've been worshiping God off the chain tonight, last night. Father, we just worship you. We glorify you. Come on, I'm not lost for words of what and what to do. I just feel his presence. Hallelujah. A lot of churches will never make it to the place to where we are right now. They'll never see what you've just seen. And I think that we're in the middle of what God wants to do. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Has it been good to you? Come on, tell him, God, you're so good to me. Hallelujah. Come on, don't just thank you for what he's done, but thank you for who he is right now. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Lord. We bless your name, Lord. We bless your holy name. Hallelujah. How many be glad to be in the presence of the Lord tonight? Amen. Let me ask that again. I said, how many be glad to be in the presence of the Lord? Amen. Praise God. Let me say this very quickly. I'm not trying to kill the spirit or nothing, but let me say what honor, what a joy it has been to be with you here in the tabernacle. I'll tell you what, this is just a phenomenal church, and God is doing a phenomenal thing, and I understand we've got some other churches represented. I believe that God is going to do phenomenal things in your church as well. Amen? Praise God. And I love it. I think it's incredible how churches will come together on a Wednesday night. Oh, Elizabeth, I'm going to come join you. Amen. It's amazing. And so I say thank you from an evangelist standpoint. Thank you so much for being willing to come together. Anybody know this is what it's all about. Amen. Come together. We worship God in spirit and the truth. And wow, what a great honor. What a joy. Come on, let's give God praise for that. Amen. Hallelujah. And I just want to say thank you, Pastor. Thank you and your precious wife and your family for allowing me the high honor. I feel like I've been more blessed coming than being a blessing. I do. I feel that so strongly. And I I, I told Pastor them all the colors in here is exactly what we got in our our little church. And you could probably put three of our sanctuaries in here. Amen. (laughs) But I feel like I've stepped into the future. And it gives you as a pastor hope to know that God's going to do great and mighty things. And so I'm excited about what's happening here. I'm excited about what God is doing in this region. How many of you, and I've been saying this for years. I've said it in Lewisburg. I've said it so many different places. How many of you believe God's up to something prophetically within West Virginia? Come on, there's no doubt about it. I said it in Del Barton. I said it at Man. I've said it at Gilbert. I've said it on Huntington. I'm going to say it again. God is up to something in West Virginia. Anybody believe God's got a plan? Hallelujah. Come on, somebody give God a shout of praise. You believe that? Hallelujah. 
And I told God, I said, God, I don't live here, but I sure do want to be a part of it. Amen. If you're going to bypass Georgia, just make sure I'm in West Virginia when it happens. Amen. I want to be a part of what God is doing. And he's been doing a great thing around this place this week. And I give God praise. Lives have been changed. People's been saved. People's rededicated the lives. Healers have taken place. To God be all the glory. Hallelujah. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Um, let's, let's dive on in the word tonight. Uh, if you will, will you stand your feet with me? I haven't even got with the media ministry. And I really did. I've gone back and forth. I know it always sounds like the evangelist thing to say, but it's the truth. Because I, you know, I, I don't mind telling you this very quickly while we're getting ready to go to Second Samuel chapter 6. I know you're going to be familiar with this passage of Scripture. It's been preached so many times, but I can't get away from it. I was going to preach on once but never again, and I just felt something change in my heart. I learned a long time. Oh my God, I was sharing last night as I was exhorting and praying for a sister right here, how the Lord taught me <laughs> right after I come out of high school and I was doing full-time evangelism, the Lord taught me that I don't no longer need to have my fiery tin, that I need to trust in him. And he showed me that if I kept doing what I was doing, I wouldn't have a ministry a year from then. And God put an awestruck fear in my heart. As I say, if you keep doing what you're doing, having the same sermons, the same songs, the same, you won't have a ministry. And may God be my witness from that day forward. It doesn't matter if I'm teaching a Sunday school class, preaching a conference, or whatever. There's an awestruck fear that hits me right before I come up. And in my mind, I imagine running off and running out in the dark somewhere. And all of a sudden, I tell God, God, I can't do this. But he said, you can't, but I can, and I will through you. Hallelujah. So how many of you know we learn to be obedient? Anybody know obedience is better than sacrifice? right? Praise God. So I want to be obedient tonight. If you have your Bible, will you go with me to 2 Samuel chapter 6? I know if you've been in church any amount of time, you'll be very familiarized with this. And um, it's been an honor and a joy to be with you. Thank God for the praise and the worship. Thank God for the freedom. Thank God for your giving. I just thank God for you. You've been such a gift to me this week and my family. 2 Samuel chapter 6. If you're there, somebody say amen. And I just want to, I'll tell you what let's do. You can tell I'm kind of unprepared with this because I was going somewhere else. But I want to skip down to verse 8, if you don't mind, of 2 Samuel chapter 6. And we'll just kind of start reading from there. We can read all the 11 verses and it will tell the whole story. But I want you to look at this. David was displeased because the Lord had made it. Look what happened in verse 8. David was angry because the Lord, his anger had burst out against Uzzah. And his name was placed, it was actually called the place of wrath against us and it's still called that to this day verse 9 David was now afraid of the Lord and he asked he said how can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care and if you know the story here what happened was is the ark of the covenant <laughs> had been misplaced with the Philistines and David found out about it now they're bringing the ark of the covenant back and all of a sudden when they got the ark of the covenant because us reached his hand out and we'll talk about it in a minute he did an irreverent act Anybody know you cannot just casually reach out there and touch the presence of God without some type of transformation, right? Come on, amen. How many of you respect the presence of the Lord, amen? And you got to understand something about Uzzah real quick. That was not just his first encounter with the Ark of the Covenant. He was one of the caretakers of the Ark. But all of a sudden, God was in a different mood, if I can use that. God said, you're not just going to reach out there and casually touch my presence. You're going to do what I tell you to do. And as a result of that, the Ark of the Covenant was taken to the house of Obedidim for three months. And the Bible said that God blessed everything. Somebody say everything. 
Anybody know you got to get, look at somebody tell them you got to get the presence of God in your house. Come on, tell them that. And everything will be blessed. And this is why David, this is why David was so upset because the anger, the wrath of God has struck Uzzah. And David was afraid, verse 9 of the Lord. He said, how can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, and here's the story I got ahead of myself. He took her to the house of Obedidim of Gath. The ark of the Lord remained there for three months, and the Lord blessed. Anybody want the blessings of the Lord? Come on, anybody need the blessings of the Lord tonight? Oh, you blessed the Obed-Edom in his entire household. Then King David was told that the Lord had blessed Obed-Edom's house and everything. Somebody shot everything. Everything that he has because of the ark of God. So David went there, brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with great celebration. And after the men who were carrying the ark had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fatted cow. And David, look at this, verse 14, you'll recognize this. And David danced before the Lord with all of whose might? His might. Come on, somebody say his might. Oh, yeah, sometimes you have to initiate your praise no matter how you feel. And so David, he danced before the Lord with all of his might, wearing priestly garment. And so David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and blowing of the ram's horn. I'll stop right there. I really don't even know what the title of this message tonight, but I just believe with all of my heart that God is ready to restore his glory back to the house. Do you believe that? Hallelujah. Will you pray with me? Will you join somebody's hand if you feel comfortable, they feel comfortable? And let's just raise those hands toward heaven together. Will you do it with me? Come on, everybody. Just raise those hands toward heaven. And I want you to lift your voice. Your voice is more important than your hand raising. Father, we lift our voice tonight. And, Father, we ask you right now for your favor. We ask you for your blessings. We ask you, Lord, that you would open up the windows of heaven over this house. And over these people tonight, God, there's a deposit that you want to make in heaven. And I ask you, Lord, for fresh revelations to fall in this place tonight. God, I thank you for every church that is represented. I thank you for the body of Christ. I thank you, Lord, that there's a synergy of coming together. There's a harmonic unity that is happening in the body of Christ. And Lord, we thank you that as a result of that, your glory shall be restored. Revival's coming in this preparation for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that your will will be done here tonight on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, pray with me. I bind and I rebuke every hindering forces of the enemy. And I loose the anointing of God for such a time as this. I ask you right now for your favor to be upon us. I ask you, Lord, that you would bless us and bless us indeed. I come against distractions. I come against the attacks and the assaults of the enemy. And I ask you, Lord, that though we come in here one way, we will leave out of this place another. For, Lord, it's not by mind, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit, says the Lord of hosts. We can do nothing but God. You can do everything. And we praise you for it tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated in the prayer. Come on, go ahead and give God a praise as you're being seated. It's all right. Hallelujah. I like to bless the Lord. 
I like to praise him. You know what? I, I guess if I could title this message anything, I would call it, I'm frustrated. How about that? I, I, you know, and I have been for quite some time. You're like, now wait a minute, Joel. If you're frustrated, what in the world are you doing preaching a revival and you're doing this and you're doing that? For those of you that were here last night, I'm not trying to sound Pete and repeat sitting on the wall, but if you were here last night, I made mention of the word frustration. Remember that? And I told you there's two sides to frustration. You've got a negative sign as partially would say that it takes you nowhere, cause you to be nobody, do nothing. When you get to the end of your life, you want to truly say, well, I could have, should have, would have, but I didn't. But understand the other side is there's a positive side. They said, you know what? Things have been good, but I'm tired of good. I'm ready to move from good to great. How many of you believe God is ready for you and I not just to do great things, but he said greater things than this. Come on, somebody shout greater, greater. Greater things than this shall you do. Because Jesus said, I'm going to my Father. And isn't it amazing how when Jesus said that, think of the 30-something miracles that Christ did. I'm not going to name all of them, but he made the lame to walk, the dumb to talk, the blind to see, the deaf ears to open, the impediment of speech, be able to talk plain again. He went fishing around tax season and caught tax money. I don't know about y'all. I should have went fishing a couple weeks ago. <laughs> but nevertheless, he called tax tax money and the mouth of the fish and all of a sudden what happened he he spit in the mud and wiped in the blind men's eyes and he was interrupting funeral services and like I shared with the other night I love Lazarus man all because when Jesus showed up like I told you you see the human sign but yet you see the divine side you see the human sign how Jesus was tested a friend had died but when they begin to tell him you should have been here yesterday today's four days you should have been there yesterday all of a sudden the divine side rose up and what happened they rolled away the stone and Jesus said Lazarus come forth and like I told you the other night that if he would have just said come forth the whole graveyard would empty because Jesus is the resurrection and the life how many of you believe Oh, yeah. And I love that. And there's actually, can I just throw a message right here? There's a message in the message in this. Do you understand? Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And they, they didn't just put him in the grave and, and make him look good. They wrapped him up in grave clothes like a mummy. And I can imagine as Lazarus come hopping out, he looked like a mummy. What did Jesus tell everybody around him? He said, okay, I've raised him from the dead. But he pointed to them and said, now you loose them and let them go. Does anybody believe this is a message to the church tonight? We've got to start letting God do what you and I cannot do. We cannot save them. We cannot clean them up. We cannot judge sinners. Come on, somebody. We've got to show grace. We've got to allow God to do what he wants to do. But here's the rest of the sermon tonight. Sermon on a sermon. That whenever God does what you and I cannot do, it is our responsibility to start taking the grave clothes off of everybody and say, look, I used to be an alcoholic. You don't have to be an alcoholic. I used to be a drug addict. You don't have to be a drug addict. I used to wear these gray clothes. You don't have to wear these gray clothes because when the sun sets free, it's free in me. Who am I ready to shout for you? Hallelujah. Man, I, I can't help but I love, I get stuck on that every time. And then you think about it. Boy, here's a sermon right here. You realize that almost every miracle that Jesus did was a messy miracle? You ever thought about that? It was messy. Look at somebody say, it was messy. Come on, tell them that. Tell them it was messy. The only clean miracle that Jesus did is whenever he healed Peter's mother-in-law. 
<laughs> I didn't hear nobody say amen just then. <laughs> but it's the truth. But think about everything that Christ did. What did he tell us in John 14, 12 through 14? My favorite scripture. Jesus said, I've done great things, but greater things than this shall you do. Does anybody believe we are in the generation of the greater? Yes, we are. Look at somebody tell them we're going to do great stuff and greater things. But you know what it's going to take? Can I just bear my heart tonight? It's going to take somebody in this building, in this church, in your church, uh, watching my live cast. I know some people have been watching for like Columbus, Georgia, and places like that. There's people watching these programs. And I'm telling y'all, no matter where you're from, it's going to take somebody to simply rise up and say, you know what? I'm frustrated. I'm tired of status quo. I'm tired of the norm. And I've been raised in church all my life. And I don't mean to keep sounding like the same thing every night. We've seen some awesome things. And I'm sharing with you twice about the different miracles and all. But there's a positive frustration on the inside of me that is looking at the church and this culture now and said, how can we go back to status quo? How can we go back to wanting the hype but not wanting the anointing and not wanting the presence of God? A lot of churches, man, they want the hype. They want everything, but they really don't want the presence of God. Well, because just like with us, either you're going to live or something's going to die as Pastor Dari talked to you. When we have an encounter with the presence of God, everything's going to change. Somebody shout everything. Everything's going to change. It has to. Let me ask God a question. Here's a simple uh, question for you. How many of you remember when you got saved? Can I see your hand? Come on, let me tell you, one guy said there's three days we should never forget. First of all, we should never forget the day that we get saved. Number two, we should never forget the day that you got married, the anniversary. I see some, mm, that's right, you heard him. <laughs> but understand, and then they said the third day is the day that you pay your taxes. That my soul, dear God. <laughs> but understand, those are three most important days. <laughs> Two of them's to be celebrated, the other one's supposed to be feared. But anyway, and you realize, let me ask you a question that from the time that you confess with your mouth and you believe with your heart, you cannot sit here and tell me tonight, and I'm not argumentative by any nature. I'm not here to argue with you. I'm here to challenge you. But there's no way, my brother, that we can sit here tonight and say that the time that Christ come into my life, that there was never a change. Does anybody understand that from the time that you felt the convicting power of God, when the Holy Ghost, I'm going to tell it like it is, when the Holy Ghost arrested you, People was like, well, do we really, really need the Holy Ghost? Yes, we do. Because the Bible said we cannot even be saved without the drawing of the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody just say amen right there. Oh, yeah, we cannot even be saved without the pulling and the tug in the Holy Spirit. There's no way that at that moment that you can sit here and say there was not a challenge for me to decide which way I'm going to go. And I want to ask you here tonight, who are you going to serve? You cannot serve two masters. Either love the one, hate the other, hate the other, love the one. I can't speak for nobody in this place, but I can speak for myself, my beautiful wife, my seven-year-old. That is for me in my house, we are going to serve the Lord, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. A 
hope you understand the principle of what I'm trying to share with you tonight. Any time that we have an encounter with the presence of God, there's going to be a positive frustration that's going to rise up on the inside of you. And I hope you get so frustrated in the right way that you leave out of this place tonight and say, we are not going back. How can we go back? How can we, how can we dare think about going back to our old simple nature? Come on, amen. How can we think about even going back to the status quo of mundane complacency, even in the process of serving God? I don't know why, but the scripture just came to my mind. Do you remember there was a season when a lot of Jesus' followers and disciples, I'm not just talking about the 12, he had a lot of disciples and followers, but man, people were dropping out on Jesus. Remember that? They were dropping out, like we said, like flies. And all of a sudden, Jesus turned to his 12 and said, well, fellas, I'm just going to kind of leave it there. said, y'all going to drop out on me too? You're going to walk out on me? Everybody else is leaving. Are you going to leave me? You're going to walk out on me? And the apostle Peter, the mouthpiece of the 12 steps out. And what does he say? He said, hey, Jesus. He said, watch this. From whom shall we go? There's nothing and nobody to go back to. We have followed you this far. There's nobody to go back to. Nobody Nobody's a savior like you. I've not seen anybody else heal. Come on, somebody. I ain't seen nobody else walk on the water. I ain't seen nobody else do what you done. He said, to who shall we go? From which shall we go back? He said, there's nobody. And then he spoke revelation. He said, you're the only one that had words of eternal life. Can I give somebody some good news tonight? You're living in the last days. There were church folks. They're falling by the wayside. Preachers are getting out of the ministry by the thousands. But you don't have to tonight. You can say, you know what? A thousand may fall to my left, ten thousand to my right, but it will not come nigh to me. I'm frustrated enough to say, I will not give up, let up, put up, shut up, till Jesus shows up and takes me out of here in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Come on, somebody clap your hands and give God a shout of praise. Is this all right tonight, church? I'm going to tell you something. You get frustrated enough, something's going to change in your life. A lot of you know what I went through. I just overcame on March the 5th. Overcame fear and anxiety. Never dealt with it at all. But man, I had such a battle since 2009. And I'm not going to go rehash that sermon either. I didn't come up here with nothing to preach and had to re-preach everything, no. But I'm telling you something. There was a transformation. And when I was laying on my face before God, desperate, and that night, of, it was early morning Thursday on March the 5th of this year. And I'm in my, my little girl's bedroom. She was in our bed. She was sick. They was on one side of the house. I was on another. I told God, I said, God, I am frustrated. <laughs> he shouldn't holler. God, well, I did. I said, I am frustrated. I said, I cannot be the husband that you want me to be. I cannot be the father that is my responsibility to be. And I cannot be the pastor that you've anointed to me. Something's got to give. There's all a saying we used to use. Sometimes you got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I was sharing with my dad about being, being fearful and anxiety. And he made a statement. I know it don't sound too spiritual, but it's the truth. He said, Joel, he said, nobody can get in your skin. He said, you're going to have to rise up and decide that you're going to conquer this, you and the Lord all by yourself. 
And can I tell somebody here tonight, can't nobody get frustrated for you. <laughs> Come on, you can stay in status quo, and that's fine. You may not, you're not going to run the risk of going to hell if you serve God and you love God. But church, I don't know how y'all feel. I don't want to just be a part of a normal church. I don't want to be a part of just a normal mood. I'm ready to become something abnormal. I'm ready for the natural to meet up with the super, that God can do supernatural. Is anybody frustrated enough and say, that's me? Yes, Lord. I heard the Lord just tell me, said, if you'll get frustrated enough, you know what's going to happen? Listen to me. You're going to wind up seizing your moment. (laughs) Think about that. You'll wind up seizing a moment. Anybody know what seizing the moment is? It means you happen to be at the right place at the right time, and something happens to you that changes your life forever. How many of you believe you're at the right place tonight, do you? How many of you believe you're in the right setting for God to change your life to where you'll never be the same again? Anybody believe that tonight? Man, this just popped up in my spirit. So let me roll with it for a minute. You understand you can miss your moment. You can. There's been a lot of people who embrace their moments. And I won't preach on it tonight. It's a whole other sermon. But because they embraced their moment, we read about them and we see the glorious thing that God did. Can I, can I tell you just one, one that embraced the moment was, think about Moses. Moses at the burning bush, Exodus chapter 3. Remember that? Can I preach it the way I see it? I can imagine Moses is on the backside of nowhere. Ever been, ever, anybody ever been on the backside of you nowhere? <laughs> He's on the backside of his nowhere, thinking nobody knows where he's at. God can't even find him. Not in his own business. Well, all of a sudden, poof, here comes this bush. Sorry. Man, this bush started burning. I mean, just out of the middle of nowhere. I don't know about y'all. They'd be kind of freaky. You just mind your business. Here comes this bush. Start burning. Now, that's not cool enough. Then what happened? The bush is burning, but it's not being consumed. Well, come on, somebody. I think I'll perk up and listen, too. And if that's not cool, all of a sudden from that bush, you hear your name called. How many of you wish God would set some of our family members' bushes on fire? Come on. (laughs) I thought I'd throw that in there. But all of a sudden what happened, man, now Moses, he's having an encounter with God that he has to decide. What you going to do? You're going to stay on the backside of your nowhere? And here's a bush that is burning, not being consumed. Now it's talking to him. So now you got a bush that will not stop burning and would not stop talking. Can I just share this revelation with you? All of a sudden you say, what's this all about? If you read it, you'll read how God said, Moses, take off your sandals because the place where you're standing is, come on, somebody say holy. Holy. Say it again, holy. 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 Now, if you know anything about holy, my God, we could spend all night right here. I'm not. But if you know anything about holy, when you mention the word holy, what are you doing? You are distinguishing yourself from the mighty God. You're telling God, God, I'm nothing, but you are everything. (laughs) Come on, right? And so here he is. He said, take off your sandals because the place where you're standing is holy. 
And here's Moses frustrated, going, God, why would you encounter me on the backside of nowhere? How did you even find me here? And then all of a sudden, I can imagine, I can't, I'm not being judgmental, but I can imagine Moses thinking in his mind, why would God choose me? Because I'm an imperfect person. Not a preach. I'm an imperfect person. I'm not making fun. Smile at me, everybody. Come on. I'm just going to demonstrate for you. Moses had an impediment of speech. In other words, he stuttered. And I, I can imagine God saying, Moses, I'm calling you to go talk to Pharaoh. Well, man, if I knew that I had to go against one of the meanest persons of, the, of my time, I'd be stuttering too. I'd be going, no, 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 wait a minute. I start singing like Mel Tullis, you know, wait a minute. But I was just sure enough, and he stuttered. And I can imagine and tell God, God, I'm, 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 I'm fr- 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 frustrated because you, 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 you want me to go talk to Pharaoh. I, I, I can't even talk plain. But do you understand that in this moment of your frustration, there comes an impact? Are you reading between the lines? Just because God impacts you with his presence and just because you see yourself through his mirror and through his eyes and you realize that you're nothing, he is everything. Listen to what I'm telling you. He's not going to let you off the hook because of your imperfections. It would have been easier for God to say, oh, I'm sorry, Moses. I realize you got imperfection. You can't even talk. So how are you going to go talk to Pharaoh? Moses tried to get out of it. But God said, no, you're not getting out of this, buddy. I have faith. You, I have sought you out. This is a moment that's going to change your life and change history for my nation. And I can imagine God saying, "You know what? You may not could talk play, but I'm going to send Aaron, and he's going to interpret for you." Somebody say Amen. And I ain't got time to go through everything, but that's exactly what happened. But whenever, whenever Moses went to Pharaoh, Aaron was with him, and Moses goes, "Pharaoh." You better let that And I can imagine they're going, he said, you better let the people go free or you're going to pay for it. Take that. You can imagine me when the, when the favor and all of his mighty men was riding in. And instead of people rejoicing, they started grumbling and griping to the leadership. Woo, Lord. Instead of saying, I cannot believe, oh, God, I thank you. Lord, 430 years before Moses ever showed up on the scene, we's in this bondage, and overnight you have brought us out. Now they started complaining. They started saying, I cannot believe that y'all brought us out here like this, and how dare you, what kind of leader are you? You're very insufficient and adequate. We'd have been better off in Egypt. And I can imagine Moses telling them, just, 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 just settle down and be quiet. I can imagine Aaron standing up and then they're going, Shut out, be quiet, watch the Lord work. Amen. Enough said. I want to show you something real quick. I didn't know I was going down this road. That's what I get for not having notes, huh? But then when God encountered him in Exodus, God showed this to me. He said, Take off your sandals because the place where you're standing is holy. Do you know what God was really saying to him? And I'm not trying to read between the lines. You cannot interpret on your own personal interpretation. But how many of you know God can give you revelation about what he was saying? And I feel like I got a revelation, man. He said, take those sandals off. What God is saying is, he said, I'm stripping you. He said, I'm stripping you of everything that you have to depend on. 
He said, but when I tell you to lace your sandals up again, he said, you're going to lace those sandals up. You're going to walk in a new assignment. You're going to walk in a new anointing. And you're going to have to totally depend upon me. That's heavy, isn't it? Because guess what? When he came the first time on the sandals, he was on the backside of nowhere. But when he put those sandals back on, he started headed toward Pharaoh's land, and their whole life was changed. Are you following what I'm telling you tonight? Because he seized the moment. Can I tell somebody here tonight, if you'll get frustrated enough, you can seize the moment, and you can literally become a world changer. I wish somebody give God a clap off and then a shout of praise. Come on. Got to get frustrated. Then can I share a couple more with you? I thought of somebody who missed their moment. If you look over in the New Testament, there's Felix and Aquila. Remember that story? They said, Paul, come preach to us. Paul said, okay. So Paul started preaching. The convicted power of God hit them. They were sitting on a wicked throne. Remember, they were wicked. As I say down home, they were wicked, wicked. They were wicked people. And all of a sudden they were. They sat on the throne of adultery. I mean, they were just full of the devil. But all of a sudden, the convicting power of God hit them. And at that moment, the Spirit of God made an impact on them. And what did he do when they were literally shaken upon the throne? They sent Paul away. And what was their sad comment? Thou almost persuadest thou me. Huh? You almost got to my heart. You almost made me step down the stroll and surrender myself. They sent away. Listen, this the Bible said they heard Paul preach many times after that, but they were never moved. What happened? They missed their moment. I hear people say, oh, the Spirit of God will never leave you. I believe that, but you've got to also remember that he may not always strive with man. You push him away, the Holy Spirit's not going to go away stomping. He's going to go away with a wounded heart. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. And when the Holy Spirit approaches you, he's not bored and don't have nothing else to do. He's approaching you because there's an assignment that God is bringing from heaven. And no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, God is, I feel this thing. God is telling you like he told the Virgin Mary through the angel when he said, fear not. Somebody shout, fear not. I feel like I'm all over the place, but I hope this is making sense because this stuff just keeps coming in my spirit. Is this all right tonight, y'all? When the angel of the Lord came to the Virgin Mary, what happened? Fear not. Did you know this? I'm going to just throw a bunch of stuff at you. Did you know there's 365 fear nots in the Bible? That's one sermon. Somebody just needed that. That's all you needed. 365 fear nots. And I bet you if you look around, you'll find one for leap year two somewhere in there. But I'll tell you the truth. And any time, any time that an angel of the Lord or the prophet or somebody approached you from heaven and said fear not, what was he saying? He was saying, don't run. Look at your neighbor and tell him, don't run. Come on, tell him that. Because how many of you know what psychologists, I'm not no psychologist, but I do know one thing. Anytime you get fear, what's the two natural things you do? You want to fight and you want to flight. That's why I say don't scare me. I'll punch you and I'll run and then I'll repent later. 
Sorry. I about knocked my wife out a couple of times. She comes down the hall and got this white robe on and gets face to face and I'm had to sleep. I went, ah, she went, no, it's me. Don't hit me. But in the Bible, they said, fear not. Isn't it amazing how when you have an encounter like that, listen to the next words you'll read most of the time. The next thing at the fear not is what? Whew, you are blessed and highly favored. God is saying, I've got something that I'm going to do in you and through you that your eyes have not seen, your ears have not heard. Does anybody believe God is setting us up? If we can get past the fear not, get a frustration in the heart to say, God, help me look past myself. Use me in spite of myself. Yeah. Who does anybody feel the Holy Ghost in this place? I guess I said all that to say this. Because they embraced their moment, the world changers. What about the woman? I don't mean to keep going on. But what about in Joshua chapter 2? A prostitute embraced the moment. She embraced the spies. Because she was a prostitute. <laughs> you know what a prostitute means? It means somebody that's got all this junk attached to them. There's words like no hope and no family, no real love. That's what's attached to them. I'm not calling nobody a harder than this place, but man, we got stuff attached to us. That if we don't get an embracing of God and get an impact of the presence, fear's always going to hold on to you. You'll never do anything because fear is going to paralyze you. Does anybody believe with me here tonight that if we will seize our moment, rise up and say, God, I'm frustrated. I'm sick and tired of being depressed. I'm tired of feeling insecure. I'm tired of feeling inadequate. I'm tired of being pushed out. I'm tired of having the victim mentality. I'm tired of having stinking thinking. God, I'm not the victim. I'm the victor. I'm not the conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. Somebody give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Because <laughs> the harlot embraced. She embraced the spies and what happened? The walls came down. And then not only did the walls come down, but Joshua said, when we come, you hang that little red scarlet ribbon out the side of your window, and I will spare you and your whole family. Y'all stay with me right here. He said, oh, praise God, God spared the whole family. No, when she asked him to spare the family, it was more than that. She said, I want God to change my future. Do you know the lineage from the harlot? What happened, man? The, the harlot got spared. God gave her a husband that had a children who had children. Long story short, went down to Jesse. Jesse had a son named David. From the lineage of David came Jesus. Can I tell somebody? She got frustrated enough to say, I cannot keep living in this wall. I'm willing to step out and die so that God's will may be perfected. Come on, somebody give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. 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 Hope you're getting something out of this. I know I feel like I'm all over the place, but I'm not. I'm gonna tell you something. Somebody, I'm gonna get ready to I'm getting ready to lend this thing. Not yet, but I'm getting there. Somebody needs to rise up if you can't be like the Harley, and you can't be like this one. Somebody needs to be like David. <laughs> When I was, when I got so frustrated, I would walk, I, I hate to say this, but I got to where I would walk into conferences early. Y'all know what I'm saying? 
I walked in the conferences early and I leave out early because, man, it was like going to improv with somebody. There was no spirit there. And I'm like, I, I, I walked in this one place and I, my wife was with me. I said, let's go. She was shocked. She said, are you sick? I, I said, yeah, I'm sick and tired of this mess. I can say that because y'all don't know what I'm talking about. We went to Sony's. I prayed. I said, I felt more of God praying over my food than I felt the whole time I was in that conference. I said, I'm frustrated. Some of you look at me like, well, you need to sit down. No, it's a positive frustration. It's a positive frustration that we share like David, y'all. That David's responsibility was not just to be king of a nation. Listen to me. It was to be the caretaker of the presence of God. Whew, that's a word, ain't it? Hey, can I borrow you two for just a minute? Run up here. Come on, run up here. How many of you give me a few more minutes? Can I see your hand? Come on, kind of 5, 10, 15, 20. Okay, we're good. Come here, man. I want to show y'all something. All right, look. Face each other quickly. We're going to do this like ADD. You ready? Hold your hands up, both of them. I'm glad y'all wore the odor. I'm just kidding. I want to show you something. Back up just a little bit. Let's talk about the Ark of the Covenant. How many of you know God told David, said, I want you to be the caretaker of the ark, right? Do you know, if you know much about the ark, I'm not going to go through the dimensions. It's a gold box. And then everybody's like, well, it represents this. But you know what it represents, don't you? It represented God's throne on earth. All right, come a little bit closer. And uh, he said, I want to lay it in pure gold. Here's another message right here. Now, when I, I'm going to take a hammer. I ain't got one. He's like, you ain't going to hit me with no hammer. <laughs> Come on, I, I'm going to got an imaginary hammer. And when I start hitting, I want you to do like this until your wings touch. You ready? The, the Bible said that God wanted this gold box a certain way. And on top of the box of the Ark of the Covenant, he wanted two golden angels. And so the way the angels were placed up there was with a hammer. And it was called beaten gold. Somebody say beaten gold. Are you with me? Somebody say, uh-huh. All right, you ready? Let's do this. I'm going to beat the hammer, and y'all touch. And when your hands touch, just look down. You ready? Go ahead. Okay, I beat, I beat, I beat. Now look down. Now see, now the Ark of the Covenant. What was God saying? I'm going to make it simple so we can all understand this. God said, I'll tell you what. He said, you build this Ark. He said, I'll come and sit with you. What did he say, though? He said, I'm not getting in the box. Come on, you know what's in the box, right? The most embarrassing times of Israel. They have the shoe bread. Right? That the bread, the first of all, is embarrassing. I'll tell you why. Because when it first started falling from heaven, the people of God's like, oh, wow, this is angel food. And then after eating fresh manna, never having to eat leftover, they started calling it worthless bread. God said, put that in the box. Boy, that's heavy, isn't it? Then it's a button of Aaron's rod. Remember that? What was that? That was rebellion against leadership. God said, whoo, put that in the box. And then the Ten Commandments, do you follow me? Put them in the box. That was, y'all know you said that was a powerful time. Yeah, while he was on the mountain, they were down there making golden calves. They were in idolatry. Come on, somebody. So God said, you stick all that junk in the box. I'm not getting in the box. How many of you glad you can't put God in the box? <laughs> Hope I'm not going too long. But all of a sudden, God said, you know what? I'm not getting in the box, but I'll tell you what I will do. <laughs> he said, I'll get in the middle of these angels. He said, Joel, what does this have to do with me, really? How many of you know God has called us to not just be caretakers of each other and our church and our nation, but he's called us to be caretakers of the presence of God, that he goes with us everywhere we go.
can I, can I? All right, let's, let's do this again. And what Satan does, y'all, here's a lesson for you. What Satan does, all right, hold your hands, y'all good? <laughs> you didn't know you were going to get a workout in church, did you? This time I'm going to hit, and I want you to not touch. I want you to cross up like this and keep me out. Now, don't knock me off the platform, okay? I know y'all probably know judo and all that other stuff. But watch this. How many of you know what Satan does? Satan will take the hammer of life, okay, come on. And he'll beat, and he'll beat, and he'll beat in the place. To where if we're not careful, it puts God <laughs> I just wiped them out over here. Boom. Take that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having fun. But all of a sudden, what happens is the enemy tries to beat us into a position to where God cannot rob the throne of this earth. And so understand he can't get in the middle of our circumstance. But I got news for somebody, and somebody will get frustrated enough. He said, God, I've got some beaten gold, but I need you to get in the middle. How many of you believe God will ride in the middle of your circumstances? And ever I feel the Holy so every river you cross, it'll open up. Every battle you fight, it'll be fought in one. Somebody give God a shout of pray. Lord Jesus. Woo. He might feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I would say I'm closed in the Bible. There's nothing to close. You're like, the sermon, okay, I'm getting there. But all of a sudden, listen to me. God said, if you'll let me sit on top of the box, I'll go with you, and every battle will be fought and won. The Jordan River opened up, and you'll cross over on dry land. Come on, somebody. You know, can I say this real quick? You know what? Chuck Swindoll, you heard of him. He made a statement one time, and he said, the Ark of the Covenant contained the Shekinah glory of God. Wow. And here's what he said quickly. He said, in every place where the Ark of the Covenant would cast a shadow was considered to be the holiest spot on earth. Wow. Can you imagine everywhere that Ark would go just a shadow, y'all, was considered to be the holiest spot on earth. Boy, I wish I had time to preach this. I don't. But my mind got the ticking. And I looked over there in Ephesians. And I said to myself, and I'm not sounding, mean to sound disrespectful, but I got to thinking to myself, God is not sitting on top of a box anymore. So where is he? I know the heavens are strong. The earth is special, right? But I read in Ephesians, whoo, that know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Whoo, and the Spirit of God dwells within you. Now you see where I'm going? So I asked myself the question, and I had to pull the truck over because I could not contain the revelation. I'm like, wow! All of a sudden, it dawned on me that if God is not sitting on the box and he chooses to habitate our heart, is it possible? Woo! Is it possible that every place that you and I cast a shadow could possibly be the holiest spot on earth? Y'all going to get that about 12 o'clock and going to dance around your bed. Hallelujah. Is it possible? And then my mind went over to where they were chasing the apostle Peter's shadow. Can you imagine Peter's walking on the hour of prayer and he hears all these people tap dancing behind him. That's ugly tap dancing. But 
he hears all this racket and they turn around and people's like putting their pads down there and the children's being raped. I can imagine them talking amongst themselves. I wonder which route he's going to take today. I just hope his sun's shining. You say, you shouldn't put nobody on a pedestal. I'm not. Do you understand something? If Peter would take this mic, he would tell you, it's not my shadow. He said, I found the shadow of the Almighty. Who's somebody give God a shout of praise? Say, Joel, what are you saying? Let's go back to this thing with David. David got frustrated enough to say, you know what? If nobody else will take care of the presence of God, I will. And how many of you know when David started dancing before God, I, I mentioned it last night, he didn't just start in front of everybody. I think I'll dance now. How many of you know he learned how to please God when he was by himself? Come on, somebody. When he was taking care of his father's sheep, he was redheaded, run the Bible said, but he knew how to captivate the heart of God. If y'all come and begin to play something to stop, but they'll really know I'm stopping. And I'm going to tell you, when he learned how to take care of the heart of God, shoving sheep's dung, and during the whole time that he was running from his, from his father-in-law, Saul, one minute he's going hell the king, next minute he's dodging daggers and arrows, next minute you find him, he's, he's living five and a half years in a cave. Is that really how a king is supposed to live? But I want to tell y'all here tonight, no matter, oh, hallelujah, no matter what you're going through, you do not have to stay in the place where you're at long. All you need to do is get frustrated enough to say, you know what? I've got greater victory than this place that I'm in. Come on, somebody. I know there's a greater anointing. I know there's a greater place. And you know what? I'm not going to allow what I see to dictate to what I think that's going to happen. Does anybody believe your problems does not have to be permanent? It's a passageway. Forgive me for preaching long, but it's a passageway. It will not say it's a season. Somebody say a season. Come on, say it again, a season. And I don't know how long you'll be in your season, but can I tell you something? If you'll just carry the presence of God with you through every season. And carry a positive frustration about you. That says, you know what? The God that is in me is bigger than this trouble that I'm in. Hallelujah. (laughs) It's bigger than this pain that I'm feeling. It's bigger. How many of you believe the vision that God has given you is bigger than the box that the enemy's trying to put you in? Come on, somebody. It's bigger than the pit that you're having to stay in for a moment. It's bigger than the prison of limitation. Does anybody believe sooner or later God's going to bring you to the spiritual favor that's going to finance your dreams and God to say, see, I told you so. Somebody say amen. amen. Get frustrated. Get frustrated. I'm not saying get crazy where they kick you out of church, but get frustrated. I can't get nobody to worship, but my church will start something. Start it. Come and be in Texas. Somebody say amen. Start it. Say, I'm frustrated enough to run right down the middle aisle, and I'll stand there, and I'll praise God. I don't care if it's precious memories. How many of you know you can praise God when the music's going 200 miles an hour? You can praise him all by yourself because it's to him. Somebody say amen. Start a revolution, honey. Get frustrated enough. And sooner or later, what God has promised you and shown you on this side, and I'm, I'm done right here, I promise you. 
I heard that. That what God has shown you on the inside of your life. How many of you believe it soon and real soon with that positive frustration? David's frustration was, how can I get the Ark of the Covenant back? But man, when he did, how many of you know victory hit all the houses? I'm going to tell you that when you get a positive frustration, sooner or later, sooner or later, for some of it to be soon, some of it to be later, but what you see on the inside will match, finally see what your natural eyes should see. And you'll start walking in your victory. And it will be an irreversible victory. Will you stand your feet with me, everybody?